great to have you all here on this uh, Sunday again, hey? Isn't the year just kind of motoring on really quick? Things are happening, things are changing. Um, I want to read to you this morning from this, uh, the very first book of the Bible is uh, Genesis. Is, uh, in Genesis, we're going to have communion after, by the way, if you're just wondering, well, communion's there, and I haven't missed it out, so it's okay. But Genesis chapter 1, can we turn our attention to the creation story just as we kick off into this, what I want to share this morning, Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 we'll start at, to 31, and we'll just keep on reading into chapter 2 for another four verses um, today. Great. It says in uh, Genesis chapter 1, it's the very first book of the Bible, in verse 26, And then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I've given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food. And so it was. And it was so. And then God saw everything that he had made. Indeed, it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the what day? The sixth day. The sixth day. Then we go on to Genesis. We just continue on for verse 1 of Genesis chapter 2. And thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. Okay, everything. God said, I'm finished building. I'm finished creating. I'm finished making. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. And, on the seventh, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and he sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. In verse 4, this is the kind of the wrapping up verse. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. God created Adam and Eve in the last moments of the sixth day. So if you're not aware of the story, the first five days, he created uh, everything, the moon, the stars, the sunshine, the, the, the waters, um, uh, everything then. And then on the sixth day, at the start of the sixth day, he created the creatures and the creeping things and the beasts and the animals on the earth. And then towards the end of the sixth day, he created Adam and Eve. Well, he created humanity. He created two people, Adam and Eve. And then it's interesting because on the seventh day, God rested and the word rest there could be also shared with us this morning. It could be a different. We could use another word. We could use the word be still. Or we could use the word calm or could use the word peace. But God, whatever word you want to use, it's much the same thing. God had a time where he stopped the work and he says, I'm just going to rest. I'm just going to have some peace. I'm just going to be still. I'm going to be calm. This is this day. This day I've made for that. And it's interesting because Adam's first day in the world was God's rest day in the world. Think about that. Adam's first day, I mean, he was created late, into the, uh, late on the sixth day. They had a night, and then he woke up. And as he woke up, it was his first day. 
But his first day was God's rest day. Perhaps the conversation between God and Adam went like this. Adam, Adam would have said to maybe God, this is possibility. Uh, this is the first day of my life, God. I can do, uh, what can I do for you, God? You know, I'm just amazed at this world you created. Surely there's something for me to do. And God replies, no, Adam, I've prepared everything for you. Everything's finished. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. It's all finished. Nothing is lacking, so there's no work for you to do. Adam, I've planned it so that your life starts with my, uh, your first day starts with my rest day. I've planned it that way. That's how I actually want you to live, Adam, in continual rest and peace in me. I see, God, because your life works best when you live through my peace. Now, I don't, the, the Bible doesn't say that, but there's James. There's a second book of James. It's mine. <laughs> and that's, what I, that's kind of what I guess the comment. Maybe it did and maybe it didn't. But I don't think anything I've said there is unscriptural or wrong because it's interesting uh, because we see clearly God's last, his rest day was Adam's first day. And I think that's incredibly significant because I believe God was saying to humanity, we've got to live this life out of peace and not turmoil in our hearts. We've got to live a life that I can give you uh, that's going to create um, such a blessing to you. In actual fact, um, Paul wrote to the Romans and he said in 1533, Now the God of peace be with you all. The God of peace be with you all. And as I read that verse, something jumps out at me and it simply says this, It's not my peace, it's God's. The God of peace. See, God is the one who provides peace. In our hearts. He, he's the one, that, uh, he's the one who, who sets it up for us. It's not, it's, it, and as it is in Genesis, it's not my rest day. It was God's rest day. But he allowed me, he allowed humanity to have his first day in his rest day. He said, it's my day of rest, but I want you to start life out of that rest. In actual fact, you function best when you function out of my peace and rest. Paul, uh, the writer of Philippians, actually said this. Hey, you Christians at Philippi, in Philippians uh, chapter six, uh, sorry, chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, he said, you guys, I want to tell you something. Don't be anxious for anything. <laughs> Easier said than done, hey? <laughs> Don't be anxious for anything, he said. But, but I'll tell you what, pray. And when you pray, give thanks and ask God and give it to him because then when you do that, he says in verse 7, the peace of God will surpass all your understanding. Come on. And, when, and then it'll guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Peace will prevail. I, um, it, it's, like, it's like this peace wants to guard our hearts. Well, not like it. It actually is. God, the peace of God. There's one thing in the world that will guard your hearts from turmoil, anxiety, and stress, folks. It's the pe incredible presence and peace of God in our lives. It's the peace of God. I, uh, it's, like, it's like there's a barrier, isn't it? It's, he, wants, he says, over your hearts and your minds. Because that's where we have the turmoil, isn't it? In our minds and, and it transpires into our hearts when we get anxious about things. Uh, who knows? You could be worried about something, but it's a, it's a different thing to let the worry get on the inside of you. Come on. It's a different thing. You know, you can have a little bit of a concern, but don't let the concern get part of, become a part of who you are. Far too many people do. I was, uh, uh, this, uh, the last month or so, we've had an ant, ant plague in our house. And, and um, 
you know, there's little, 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 little microscopic ants come in and they just, you know, wander all over the house, you know, want to do, eat what they can find. And so I finally got the pest control man in and he, and he came this, um, uh, when was it, two days ago, he came and he looked inside the house and I didn't, I, I, you know, all the little ants, the trails across the kitchen and the bathroom and he had a look and he says, the problem's not on the inside. I said, really, isn't it? He says, no, 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 the problem's on the outside. I said, well, so what are we going to do? He says, I'm going to put a barrier around your house. And when I put the barrier around your house, it'll sort out what's in the inside. And some of us just need to let the peace of God rule in our hearts and put a barrier in our hearts because if we don't, we're going to find we're going to have no peace on the inside. And the more that you allow the peace of God to guard your heart and mind, the more you won't have ants trogging, you know, coming through your house and eating what it can and destroying and creating anxiety, peace, stress, and all the issues that we have. Folks, have you got the barrier in place? The peace of God. And he talks about it. Yeah, the writer of Philippians done. The truth is, in our society today, in this nation, this is talk about Australia, people are suffering more and more today than they ever have from stress. Stress, 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 stress. I talk to people and they say, yeah, I'm worried about this and this thing's consuming me and there's stress here and their health suffers because of it. I'm thinking, what is happening? And, and they say, this is supposed to be the lucky country and, and you know, that's, that's what they say, but I don't think we're so much a lucky country. I just think we need to be a blessed country. I don't think luck's got much to do with it. I think it's the decisions you make every day. I think you create your own blessing in life. Well, God gives it as we you know, invite him and welcome him in. See, a lot of people are experiencing stress and not blessing, worry, concern, and anxiety. You know, today in Australia, I, was, I just looked this up and took time just to research this. And just today, just in this time of here, just in this 24-hour period, eight people will successfully take their own lives. Eight people, what's happening? Eight people every day in Australia do that. Today, in this time we're here, at least a couple in this, this hour and a half we're together will take their own life in Australia, statistically. And if that isn't bad enough, 30 more people today will attempt it and be unsuccessful. Thankfully, they're unsuccessful, but that's not good, is it? What's causing that? Hopelessness, stress, anxiety. No, they can't see any good for the future. 250,000 people today suffer from bipolar in Australia. It's in Australia. That's, that's personality disorder. A million people, a million people today will, will suffer from depression. Two million people today will suffer from anxiety. There's something not quite happening right. And yet the Bible has always had the answer, the truth. God's always had it. And he says, let the peace of God uh, surpass your understanding. Because your understanding, we all get thoughts that are not quite, there's a concern in our thoughts or there's a worry that comes our way. But God says, I've got, I've got some answers. And it's living in the seventh day that God created for you. It's called rest and peace. It's if there was a title for this message, it would be, Live in the seventh day all the time. It's the day he created. See, I, let me ask you a question today. What's, what's stressing you today? If I was just to, just for a moment, say, come on, uh, just think about one thing. Maybe you haven't got a lot stressing you. That's great, but maybe there's been something in the past that's been a concern or worry to you. Just don't tell me, but just think about it. Or maybe today you've got some bigger ticket item on your calendar or on your horizon that is a concern to you right now. Now, 
If I was to talk about my life, what, what would be some of the concerns that I have? And I was thinking, what are some of the concerns I have right now? And I've got two sisters battling cancer. That's a concern to me. That's a concern to me. It's, it's um, not my sister here. I've got three sisters. So the two older sisters are both battling cancer at the same time in different forms and different elements. So that's a concern. I've got a mum who's getting older and older, and she's, she, while she lives in an independent living, she lives by herself in a, in a you know, big gated community. But it's a concern to me. What's the future hold for? How are we going to... We, we're negotiating through some tricky corners right now, you know? And some of us are. We, you, you know, it's always in the bends of life that you've got to negotiate how to do that bend well, isn't it? And there can be concerns and worries. Isn't that true? You know, if you're on a motorbike and you're negotiating something that's, a, that, you know, when you're going through a corner, you don't lean out, you lean in. Is that right, Mel? You ride motorbikes. You've got to lean into it. And I, and I want to encourage you. I think the best thing to do is when you're facing some tricky corners in life is lean in because then you'll, you'll have the right momentum to get around the corner. And see, sometimes we've just got to lean in to that which is going to give us peace and hope and a future. And, that's, and it says, in Christ Jesus, he'll guard your hearts and minds. And so today, what is, what's your thing that maybe would be some concern? Now, I'm not asking for you to tell me today or ever. That's okay, but... I'm not a mind reader and will never be, but let me just say, I probably could nail down the things that all of us are concerned about in four different categories. See, I've come to understand that the things that worry us are one of these areas. It's either a place, it's either our pace, it's either our problems, or it's either people. I say it again, place, pace, problems, or people, or persons. If, if you were to think about it, places, um, certain places can be a concern to people. Oh, I don't want to go there because something uncomfortable happened there in the past. Maybe, I know people today here, some of my good friends, that, that you don't necessarily like traveling in planes because it's a bit anxious and traveling in planes. I understand that. Um, some people don't like confined spaces. Uh, I understand that. Uh, maybe today you're in church for the first time and you think, well, this is a place I'm a bit, what happens in the things like this? What happens in churches? What are they like in this church? What are they going to do to me in this church? Maybe you're here for the first time. Maybe you're thinking, well, what's this church for? Is it for certain cultures, certain races, certain black, white, yellow, green, red? I don't know. What's this church? I want to tell you all of the above. <laughs> it's for all people, just so you've got some peace about that. Um, we're a cultural believing that we're all uh, could be children of God. But, you know, you may be feeling that. This is a place I've never been before. And when you go to a new place, sometimes you can feel elements of worry or concern. Pace. Oh, don't we all have things, that, things to do but not enough time to do it sometimes? You know, maybe this week you've been pressed to finish those jobs and you, and you think, I've got to do that. And you, and you go to sleep thinking about it. You wake up thinking about, I've got, to do, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to sort that out. So sometimes the pace of life, just the, the continual bombardment of things, I've got to do this, this, I've got to do it. It can be stressful. Problems, you know, concern for future events. 
sickness in your body. You're concerned about problems. Or maybe it's persons or people, people who clash, you clash with. Oh, you know, that make me, I just don't, you know, stressed about what that person does. Or the people you have, have had to forgive. Or, you know, as Pastor Malcolm was uh, sharing this morning so clearly. You know, they, oh, man, how am I going to do that? Or the people that you just don't want to be around sometimes. Or the, even within your own family, you know, there's tensions. You know, Christmas all, isn't always that exciting sometimes because there's tensions happening. People different personalities clash so you know I think all of us probably if you're thinking of a stressful problem you could probably fit it into one of those categories Genesis 1 26 says we see that God says let's make man in our own image let's make man in our own image God is talking about us resembling him uh, we're not God we never will be but we can resemble our father's attributes we can reflect our Father's attributes. And one of the attributes of our God is peace. As recorded by Isaiah the prophet, even in reference to God's son, Jesus, he says, you know what? In Isaiah 9, 6, for under us a child is what? Born. And under us a son is given, and the governor will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting, and what? Prince of Peace. So we see that... Um, the very attribute of our Heavenly Father, the attribute of His Son, the very attribute of the Holy Spirit is peace. One of the nine fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. You know, it's something He wants us to live in, folks. Everybody say, seventh day. Are you living in it? <laughs> he didn't have to say that bit. It's okay. I'm just saying, are you living in the seventh day? The rest that God wants, the peace that God wants to give. See, we, when God created us, He said, um, "He said, peace be to their lives. I want their life to, to be lived out of peace, not turmoil, stress." Um, because He says, "That's what I am. I'm the Prince of Peace. I live continually in my rest." Would you come and live in my rest as well? And I notice he's the Prince of Peace. He's not the God. He's not called the God of Convenience. He's not called. He's not called the God of all my wants met. He's not a genie in a bottle who grants our every wish, but he's the Prince of Peace who doesn't rescue us from the problem, but meets us in the problem. Come on, that's the kind of God we serve. Well, why doesn't he take me out of it? Well, maybe sometimes he will. But a lot of the time I've discovered he wants you to learn something in it. And he meets us in there. He doesn't take us out of. He's the Prince of Peace that wants to add. See, the enemy of your peace this morning is not a place, the pace, the problem, or the people. That's not the enemy, really, of your peace. Okay? The enemy of your peace is our unrealistic expectations. Think about it for a moment. You go into a situation, you have an expectation. Now, oh, well, it's going to... And some, not just expectations, but perfection. It's got to happen perfect, just like I want it to happen. And it doesn't happen, so we lose our peace. I remember when I got married, I expected Michelle actually to do everything like I grew up learning how to do it. Did you grab that? 
Sometimes we get married and we think our partner... I didn't actually say it, but I had an expectation I found out with, within the first year that I, ex- I didn't think it, but I expected Michelle actually to do the things how I did them. That's the way she should do them. And I soon discovered within the first 12 months, that's not going to happen, James. So get rid of your expectation, humble yourself and realize you're married while you're someone you love, someone completely different. They didn't grow up in your home. They grew up in their home. And so my expectation had to be sorted out. I had to, not lower it, I just had to get rid of it. (laughs) And when, when Michelle had got through sorting me out, and God had got through sorting me out four years into our marriage, I thought, well... Because your expectations set you up sometimes, doesn't it? And you can lose your peace over that. Because You know what I'm saying? And then after four years, I, I got to this point where I thought, I'm, I'm good. I, you know, Michelle sorted me out. Now I'm free from this my thing, I want it done my way attitude. You know what I'm saying? And then I had a child. <laughs> and my unset expectation was this, is that that child from day one will sleep through the night. Yeah, good, good on you for that one. <laughs> Try and work that one through. Yeah. <laughs> and so when, when my little first little girl didn't sleep through the night, actually for the first 12 years, of, by the time I got, she was 12, she'd sorted me out. I was just waking up any, any, all the time. You know, it was fine. I was used to it by then. But the first you know, six months, I not only lost sleep, but I lost my peace because I had a wrong expectation. I wasn't willing to work with it and work through it and find that, there's my, that my um, peace wasn't in what was around me or the circumstances or the people or the pace of life or the problems. It needed to be found within me through God and not what was around me. And when I finally became the dad I should, have, I should be, you know, they were, they were growing up by then and, and they stopped sleeping. They, they slept through, but I was awake. <laughs> Twelve years of it and I soon learned, you know, I had this, and I still do, uh, wake up in the middle of the night. It's more to go to the loo these days, but anyway, you know, <laughs> you know what I say, male, you know, yeah. Yeah, 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 we won't go there, but, you know, I am over 50 yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, the reality is, is that, folks, we see that sometimes um, I only had peace when I suddenly realized I've got to let go of the expectation. Now, some of you are sitting there saying, just wait a second, you know, you've got to have faith and believe. Of course you do. But, is, but faith and belief in God, not, that's what faith and belief and trust is. It's in God. And whatever happens, you say, God, you've got it, whether it comes out with your result or not comes out with your result. You can trust God. But, you know, with expectation, it's all about what I want to see happen. So have expectations, but realize, let them be based in faith and trust and obedience to God and his truth. The difference, isn't there? Of course we should have faith. Of course I can believe. But, you know, when it doesn't happen... Don't throw your hands in the air. Don't kick the, kick the cat. Get gr- angry and grumpy and punch a hole through the wall. But say, you know what? God's got this. I've got to let his peace rule and reign. And not let my attitude dictate to me how I'm going to live life. Because there is, here's the truth. Peace is not found in a place. Peace is, uh, uh, sorry, peace is not found in a place that is problem free. Peace is found in life as you do life through him because it's his peace 
that comes. Because God said, come and live in my seventh day all the time. Not your day of stress, my day of rest. Because in my seventh day of rest, I don't deliver you from the problem, but I meet you in the problem. If you yield to me. See, um, Luke, a doctor in the, in the New Testament part of the Bible, he wrote this in chapter 2, 13 and 14. He says, suddenly, this is, what the, this, is, this is when Jesus was born. And Luke said, there was suddenly there was an angel, multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Goodwill towards men. Did you notice what it says? At Jesus' birth, the angels sang, and they said, peace. It wasn't peace of the earth. It was peace on the earth. In other words, this earth is not going to provide you peace. What the world gives you, it can't give you what God can give you. And what God gives you, the world really can't take it away unless you allow it. Come on. See, it was peace... When Jesus came, it was peace that was being placed on the earth. Not that peace would come from the circumstances or from the earth. It was peace on the earth. There's a difference, isn't there? And we've got to see where our source of peace is. And it's from our God. And Jesus came that would be peace on the earth because I'm not talking about world, a world free of war. Who knows? We'll probably never have that in our lifetime. Which is, which is sad, but a reality. I pray that a World War III never breaks out, but we have civil unrest all the time. I'm not talking about that type of peace. I'm talking about a peace within here, folks, that the world can't take and the, and the world can't give it to you either. There's a song about that, isn't there? John said in 1633, In me you have peace. In the world you'll have trouble. But be of good cheer. Why can we be so excited about life? <laughs> because I've overcome the world. He is overcome. You can have peace in the midst of your tribulation. And, and that's incredible because it, Jesus Christ has overcome all the tr- troubles of, and struggles in the world. We don't, so we don't have peace that comes from people. Because if it comes from people, that means it can be taken away again. I don't want that. Peace that comes from, you know, the peace that God gives us can't be given and it can't be taken. So don't make the source of your stress the source of your peace. I say that again. Don't make the source of your stress. Pace, people, problems. What's the other one? I don't know. I've forgotten it. Doesn't matter. Um, don't make that, that the source of what you feel unre- uh, stressed about. Don't, don't go back to that thing and expect it to bring you peace. Because the truth is, if I go back to that thing and it gives me some element, sometimes it's peace, but it's not peace. It's just temporary happiness. Drugs are temporary happiness. You know, too much alcohol is temporary happiness sometimes for people. You know, um, whatever addiction, they're just temporary happiness. And then you go to the next morning, you wake up and you've still got the same thing, haven't you? Don't make the source of your stress the source of your peace. We don't need peace to come from a situation or a feeling or a circumstance. We don't need peace. to. We need peace to come from the God who said, Adam, your first day of life starts with my best day, rest. Come on. What makes this day different to all the other days? If you, when you look at Genesis, what makes the, the days... All, all the days that God created the heavens and earth different to the last day, the seventh day. What is it? What is it? What makes it different? Well, God chose it as His rest day. 
and he makes it Adam's first day. But any day could have been a rest day for God. He could have chosen in the middle. Hey, let's three days of working, fourth day, we'll have a rest, then we'll do two more, and then we'll have another rest. See, why it, God could have chosen any day. So really, it's not the day that gives us rest. It's the God of the day that gives us rest. It's not the day itself. So don't, don't look for, don't wake up and say, well, you know, as long as things go this way and this way and this way, it's going to be a great day. No, why don't you say, wake up and say, God, I know that your mercies are new every morning and this is going to be a great day because I can live in you, in the peace of God that surpasses understanding. And whatever happens, I can go through it and say, this is going to be a great day. Some of your best days is when you get out of the boat, walk on the water and find that the water, and then start to see the problems around you, start to sink, and you find that Jesus is right there lifting you up in the middle of the storm. They can be your best days. <laughs> your best days. David, King David, he wrote the Psalm 23, which is very familiar to a lot of us. And verse, one of the verses says, David says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, um, stress... Um, you are with me. Sorry, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear because you are with me. In other words, you could say, I will not stress because you know what? You are with me. Isn't it great that in the valley, as we walk through it, that Jesus promises, God promises he's going to be there right with us. He helps me to understand something very vitally. There's my, my thought here. You've got to catch this. It, see, folks, it's not the path to peace. It's the path of peace. Do you get that? I'm not on a path. Peace is not out there in the, in, the, in, in the future somewhere, and it's my final destination. It's my final reward. No, it's not, because it's not a path. We're not walking on the path of God to peace. We're walking on a path of peace, of peace. So here's my thought. Don't walk on the path to peace. Walk in the path of peace. So stop waiting for it and walk in it. Stop waiting for peace to, you know, when will it be? Sometime in the future. No, no, walk in it today. His presence, his peace, his encouragement, his strength. See, the peace of God is not the absence of problems today, folks. The peace of God is not getting people to say sorry to you. That would be good for them, but don't demand it. From yourself, the peace of God is not found in creating certain place, or not found in a certain place, or a certain song, or a certain position that we pray. And the peace of God is not found in even slowing down just to maybe do something like watch television, which isn't wrong, or watch a movie, which isn't wrong. But please realize it doesn't that does that pay, just slowing your pace to do something like that doesn't create peace necessarily. It's found in Him. It distracts you know some of those times it just distracts us from the real problem of what we have to face again tomorrow. So it's about in him. The peace of God is not found in living out of, it's found in living out of his rest. Out of his rest, his peace. His peace. It's not the absence of, it's, it's not because everything goes right today that I have peace. It's because our God is right that I have peace. And for you today, maybe you're here today, you know, and wow. We're going to share communion together now. And the way that I wanted to do that is I'm just going to ask the people right now to come forward and, and just uh, start to distribute the emblems. Is that okay? Can we do that? But can you just listen just for this next three or four minutes as we close? 
and as we have communion. Um, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, the, the writer of Genesis, Moses, says, Everything was created in six days. And notice in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, It's finished. It's finished. Everything has been finished. Um, all that needs to be created is created. Six days God worked for us to enjoy his handiwork, and now it was completed. And then he said, it's finished. The work is finished. When Jesus hung up... We'll go back a bit. After God created Adam and Eve, you know the story. Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which God asked them not to eat. And the greatest sin was disobedience to God. It was disobedience to his command. And so we see the rest that Adam was enjoying was then broken. And now Adam had to go and not just work the land, but it was going to be hard. And there was all these things that happened because of their disobedience. So for 4,000 years, you've got to appreciate that God said, you know what, I set this up at creation, and now I'm going to have to reset something so that there's a peace and a rest that people can come into again. And so for, he set into place a, a, a very practical um, set of circumstances based around temple worship and animal sacrifice so people could be forgiven for their sins. And then finally he says, you know what? It's all going to accumulate in my son dying on a cross so that people can be forgiven. Listen to this. So people can be forgiven of their sins. Their shame can be put behind them. They can have no freedom again. And they can know peace in their hearts because their past is past and the future is, is set in me. And you know, as Jesus hung on a cross, come on, he hung on a cross. And his last dying words were this. What is it? It's finished. See, God said it in Genesis 2.1. All the work is finished. Now it's rest and peace. Jesus hung on a cross and it's finished. What was finished? What he'd done for humanity. So humanity could have peace. So humanity could have joy, hope and a future. So we could be forgiven of sin. And Isaiah prophesied about it in Isaiah 53.5. And he said... He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us what? Peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. <laughs> Isn't that brilliant? The punishment that brought us peace was on him. I should be punished for my sin. But thankfully, there'll come a day when I go to stand before God in heaven, as all of us will, and God says, hey, you accepted my son, Jesus Christ. You believed in him. And so, yeah, the slate is washed clean because of Jesus. I don't see, you've done some bad stuff, but we're not going to, that's, that's finished and past and final. I want you to live. Come, good and faithful servant, enjoy the peace and the joy of heaven. That's going to be a good day, but it's because of Christ worked for me so that I don't have to work anymore in that sense. Not work in our world, but work to be a Christian. I just got to accept and believe and trust. And today, as we share communion together, 
there's an incredible opportunity we have to say thank you to him and to realize what he's done for us. Now, let me say it again. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him today. And by his wounds or stripes, it says, we are healed. So what they did to Jesus on a cross, they whipped him, they pulled his beard, they put a crown of thorns, and then they finally nailed him there. And his last words were, it's finished. Peace has been, opportunity for peace has been restored to humanity. Opportunity for healing, opportunity for uh, joy, for forgiveness has happened. And so we see, what's that got to do with having a little cup this morning and a piece of biscuit? Well, everything. Because before Jesus actually went to the cross, he was having a meal with his disciples. It was a Passover meal, actually, in Jerusalem, in a second, at least the second floor of a house, somewhere in Jerusalem. And after that, had that meal, it says Jesus took the bread and he broke it. They'd already eaten. So this wasn't like they were going to have a second meal. It was just something he was, he was trying to help them to understand what he was about to go through for them. And he took the bread and he broke it. And he says, see this bread? It's broken. It represents my body, which is broken for you. And 2,000 or more years later, I can stand here and say it was his body that was broken for you and you and you and you. And for me this morning. So that I might be live at have many blessings, but one important thing was to have his peace. And then they ate, and then, and then he took a cup. He just took this one cup. It had, um, it had grape juice wine in it. Ours is um, kind of grape juice. And he says, come and drink. This is representing something. He says, to represent my blood and the new promise that I'm making for you now that you can have Salvation through me. You can have a life of hope and a future through me, Jesus. I know that you disciples know me, but you need to realize I am the Son of God and that I'm going to die for you and I'm going to rise again so you can have life and be forgiven for your sin. He says, so take and eat this, uh, sorry, drink of this cup. Drink it together because this is the new covenant. This is representing my blood that we've shed for you. And they didn't quite understand it all, the disciples that day, but they did after he died on the cross and he rose again and his body was broken. They whipped it and all those shameful things and his blood was poured out so that we could have a hope and a future. And this morning, we could rejoice in that and we can be thankful. And they ask us, whenever we do this, do this in remembrance of him. Do this in remembrance of Jesus. Do this what he's done for us. And you know, today... As in Genesis 2.1, God says, all the work's finished, Adam. You've just got to enjoy the blessing. It's finished. And then in Scripture, in, in, um, as Jesus hung on the cross, he says it's finished. And I want to proclaim and speak over lives today that stress and worry and anxiety needs to be finished right here and now in people's lives. You need to give it up today. And so I don't need to live in that. Like I might have some concerns, but don't let the concerns get inside of me anymore, God. 
Don't let the worry and anxiety get inside of me anymore. I might have some things in my day that are not going to be good, but don't let it get on the inside of me. Because God, today it finishes here. The stress and the anxiety and the things that push me and create unwell bodies this morning, it's got to be finished as Jesus declared it on the cross and God declared it in Genesis 2.1 when the world was created. How about we declare it right now? So how about we stand right now and right now as you take of that cup, as you take of that bread, you believe as you partake and thank God for His body that was broken, His blood that was shed, that as you drink, you thank Him for His wholeness and His health and His healing and His peace that wants to come upon your life this morning. And thank Him and remember what He's done and declare today, the stress finishes now in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, do your work right now. Let's eat and let's drink. In this sacred moment, Holy Spirit, release your peace. Come on, let's eat and drink in remembrance. I cast my mind to Calvary. Come on, it's finished. Where Jesus bled. Jesus Christ done it. Thank you, Jesus. And he died for me. We thank you. We worship you this morning. Every stress.